It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond. Glad you're with us on today's show, and uh, stay tuned for a good one. We've got lots of great things to talk about today, including a bit of a grab bag episode here, kind of an end of the summer recap, looking at some things as we get ready to transition into fall. We're going to be talking about Social Security, long-term tax strategies, and much more on the show today. Brian, it's good to be with you, my friend. You've been cooking up any good uh, any good pies recently? Yeah, we actually rolled out the uh, wood-fired pizza oven this past weekend and had nice. a nice nice little pizza party in the driveway and had a kind of a neighborhood block party. It was awesome. What, what kind of toppings did we have on hand this time? I'll tell you what. I found a pizza place over in, um, I think it's in South Carolina, maybe Charleston, Enzio Pizza, just to give them full credit. Okay. They've got a picture on their Instagram feed that had crust base, buffalo mozzarella, Ooh. goat's milk ricotta. Mm. Fig jam, fresh thyme, and sliced lemons. Wow. Sliced and, lemons. Kind of like with, with the rind on it and everything. Huh. And I thought, that looks like the weirdest pizza. I've literally looked at pictures of it for about two years. And I was like, I should try that. I should try that. So we actually tried it, and it was a hit. It was awesome. Really? Yep. Are you even eating the limes with the rind on them, or you kind of pick those off, or what? Lemons. And uh, lemons, yeah. you get a little bit of sour from the goat cheese and... The thyme has is just kind of a nice sort of high note to it, and those lemons they cook and they get soft, and it just a little bit of the sweet from the fig and the sour from the lemon, amazing combo. Wow! All right, I'll, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested. I, I'm just trying to up my game so I, I, I can yeah see if we can lure you down to Georgia for a pizza. Yeah, that sounds good. That <laughs> sounds really good. I'm I'm totally down with it. Um, and that is just a really interesting combo of items. Kind of like our, I think that's the perfect description of what our show is going to be a little bit like today, Brian. I mean, a little fig jam, a little lemon slices, and uh, a, goat, a little sweet, a little sour. Yep. Milk, yeah, kind of a bit of a grab bag, right? We've got lots Salt of things the top to go of over it. today. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about it. What what's inspired today's topic? And uh, have you been getting a lot of questions about these topics from uh, the you know tax situations and social security and those kinds of things? Yeah, tax remains on my radar you know, very heavily because we've, we've actually added a great new tool that allows us to scan in a tax return and give a really good output that people can understand what bracket they're in, what bracket they could be in, where the tax traps are. It, it's really a, an amazing tool. So that has continued to keep the topic around tax, tax planning, tax strategies. And so that's, that's the lens that I've been looking at the world through uh, lately. And last time, we were talking about IRA distributions and getting the, the strategies right and how complicated they're making the new and, and inherited IRA distribution rules. And, and my, my caution there is make sure you do that right because the penalties are onerous if, if, you, if you get it wrong. Well, the thing that I was just coming out and didn't really want to talk about it too soon, but as it's progressed, this new Inflation Reduction Act, which <laughs> is does not reduce inflation at all in, in my estimation, but it, it well-named, well-marketed uh, piece of legislation. There's provisions in there to increase IRS agents to the tune of about 87,000 new agents uh, over the coming years. Just just a handful. Yeah, it's just, just a... I, th- I think they did the... What's the largest football stadium in the country? Is it the o- Oklahoma... Oh, you? let's see. Well, what the the big house in Ohio is over a hundred thousand. Yes, yeah, so somewhere floating in that hundred thousand range. 
Okay. Well, okay. So maybe not the largest possible stadium, but just about. I don't know. University of Georgia's got you know close to eighty thousand, seventy, yeah. 70 eighty thousand. So oh, wait, no, the big, the big house might be Michigan. I just probably upset a lot of Michigan fans uh, with with that last saying. I think the big house is Michigan. What do they call? I don't know what they call Ohio Stadium, but what, both of those are pretty big. So we'll go there. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so not a sports fan. So I've, I'm, I've been I'm checked kinda... out of uh, of the sports world for so long now. I'm forgetting the names of things that I used to know off the back of my head. Uh, so you should be the one with the uh, with the stats on hand for for sports. But in, anyway, large football stadium, largest one that you could. You've probably ever been to or imagine if you filled it with IRS agents, they're, they're still talking about more, more than uh, you could fit in most professional or, or large college stadiums. So it's kind of a shocking number. And I, I thought to myself, well, what, you know, what does that mean? Well, they've, they've currently got about 78,000 agents. Uh, so it's more than doubling the, the number of IRS agents. So then I said, well, what if, I don't know how many taxpayers or households or tax returns there are. And, and obviously businesses and individuals are, are a couple of different categories, trust accounts and things like that. But just roughly, let's, let's just pull a number out of the air and say that there's 100 million taxpaying households. Well, if you divide that by the 87,000 new IRS agents, you get about a 1,100 to 1 ratio. And that may sound like a big number, but you know, if you were a hardworking individual, you could probably get through what a hundred returns in a year. Uh, it'd be a pretty deep dive into a hundred. That'd be two a week uh, for a full-time employee. So my estimation of that is there's going to be a huge push. There's going to be a huge increase in enforcement audits, and this this isn't we're going to go after the billionaires and make sure they're paying their fair share. Those, those guys get automatic audits with a team of IRS agents every year, as do you know, your major corporations. And that leaves me with one conclusion, and that's there's going to be increased focus on smaller individuals, individual households, taxpayers, retirees, uh, people with their own businesses. Th- th- this is going to be a huge push down to try and shake down more revenue because the $87 billion <laughs> that they're going to spend to to make this happen they're they're hoping they need, they need to make that back up, right? <laughs> yeah, they got to make that back up uh, to to make this you know inflation reduction. They hope to get a couple hundred billion dollars of increased revenue from that. So cautionary uh, indicator: it's going to take some time to to roll out. But I would really make sure you're accurately filing and, and doing your tax returns going forward. Wow! So we're gonna. Uh, decrease inflation by increasing how much you pay in taxes and trying to turn over every stone to nickel and dime us to death at, at some point. Is that well, what it's and to, and to like? be fair, if, yeah, if if you want to reduce inflation, you've got to take money out of the system. So the, that's that's the problem with inflation. So the, the Federal Reserve can do that by trying to increase rates, which decreases borrowing. They can reduce their balance sheet by selling securities, which takes cash out of the system. And then increasing taxes is actually a you know, perfectly viable way of re- reducing the supply of, of dollars out there. So I don't think the return they're getting for what the cost projection is, is particularly worth it. As I talked about last time, the idea of making the tax code so complicated that nobody can figure it out so that they can then come shake you down with a with an audit is kind of bad policy. I would prefer to see a simpler tax code that was easier to follow and we didn't need uh, massive audit teams to do it. But that's the direction we're headed. 
Okay, very good. So a little bit of a good view of that new IRS uh, agent beefing up uh, kind of angle that's been in the news recently. Uh, since you mentioned inflation, you want to go there next? What's the current read on that? I know it's it's been in the news a lot, and it's kind of shifting and changing a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about inflation in, in just a second, actually, because I want to the, – the inflation, cost of living adjustments, and all those things that tie into Social Security will give us our nice transition into the, uh, the trustees report that I want to talk about. What I have got – is a tip for short term. You know, we're, we're currently in the throes of a you know market sell off. We've rallied back up since the end of uh, June quite a bit, but we're still off for the year. So, so a lot of people out there looking for ideas to reduce tax bills uh, going forward. Well, a lot of us have now got losses on most recent purchases of ETFs, individual stocks, mutual funds, uh, share lots. Uh, so there, there's probably some red and you can go look at your gain loss page of your, your brokerage account and see where the red numbers are, see where the brackets are. And those actually present an opportunity to take some losses and be able to either offset a little bit of your income. You can use about $3,000 a year of losses against ordinary income, or in the future, you can carry losses forward against capital gains uh, if you have a big capital gain either in the future or one that you want to zap right now. So if you're, if you're going to do this, and the, the main thing I want to point out is the, the wash sale rule. Have you, have you heard of that? Familiar yeah, with that? The, you know, can't, if you sell for a loss, you can't rebuy it and sell it again without, you know, and then you can't write the taxes off if you, you know, lose again. You can't, you know, I'm, I know that I'm not describing that very well, but something along those lines. Yeah. Well, it's got a, a fancy name called the wash sale rule. And you know, basically what they're trying to have people do is, sell a position and then immediately reestablish it for the tax loss, purely for the tax loss. Like you, you, they want you to sell the security because you want out of that position, you're moving on to, to something else. So they've created a 30-day window where if you sell a security at a loss, you can't repurchase it within 30 days if you want to take the tax loss, right? So like you, you could sell it and buy it, but they would disallow the loss if you bought it back within 30 days. So it's very important then to, you know, if you go in and do some selling, wait 30 days before you buy back if you're going to buy the exact security. Okay, so that may be very true for individual stocks, uh, but the good news is, is for ETFs, mutual funds, uh, ETF is exchange-traded fund, uh, mutual funds, or if you've got a sector or you know, kind of a size and style type ETF, all of those have very easy replacements. So if you take the Schwab broad market ETF, and that's based on you know, one index, and you traded that for a S&P 500 index fund, because those are based on different ind indexes, the, the wash sale rule would not apply. So it's a, it's a way to take a loss on one security, immediately roll back into some exposure in the market and the types of investments that you want to be in. It just can't be exactly the same. So you, you couldn't sell the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund and buy the Fidelity S&P 500 index fund. That would be so similar that it would be disallowed like, like an individual stock. Now, if you do want to sell an individual stock, so let's say you've got a big position in Apple or you, you took a big position in Apple and it, and it went down. Well, there are a lot of Apple heavy 
exchange traded funds or mutual funds that you could potentially get exposure to that. You're going to get some diversification in there, obviously. So that would give you a large exposure to the uh, technology sector, similar types of investments. And, and if the market rallied there, you, know, you would be in and participate. Then you could wait 30 days and revert to your original investments if need be. All right. Very good. So that's the wash sale rule. Some of the uh, opportunities to take advantage of this market drop that we've seen over the last couple of months and uh, the market volatility there. Uh, you want to go to inflation next? Yeah. yeah. So, so inflation is going to tie in. We, we've talked about inflation in the past. We've done whole whole podcast on it. I'm not going to rehash what's causing it and what, what they could do to fix it. Uh, we've had some indicators here lately that looks like maybe inflation is is cooling down a little bit. Uh, so that would be good news. And along with that good news for those who are receiving social security benefits is that you're receiving the largest cost of living adjustments, certainly in the intermediate, even, even long-term. We had a 5.9% increase in 2022. So hopefully that offsets, you know, some of the, the higher inflation. I think it's, it's a long way from what actual inflation is for the average person. If your main expenses are gas and groceries and, and the like, but coming around the corner in twenty twenty three is going to be a possible, probably in the nine point three to ten point one percent cost of living adjustment for Social Security recipients. If you are a recipient, this is great news because you're, you're going to get a big boost in your, your social security benefit. Now, the, the bad news, care to take a guess? What is it? This all intersects with the government spending Ooh. deficit, higher with rising interest rates, you have a higher cost on debt. And all of those things are the very things that are straining the system in the first place. It's a lot, so, of, a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, um, you know, like I said, good news. If you're receiving Social Security, if you're collecting in the future, all of those cost of living adjustments get applied to your your future benefits as well. So if you're if you're paying in, uh, obviously, we've seen a big increase in Social Security taxes over the year as that wage base increases. You know, so this this will be a, at least a little bit of an offset so that people can have a some return to, to what they're paying into Social Security. Wow, that's a lot to uh, kind of consider and absorb and digest with uh, all of those different changes. And yeah, just thinking about the the strain on the system that that's going to have. Uh, but and I know that's not just the only uh, Social Security kind of update, right? There's a lot more to be uh, to be said on that topic. Yeah. So back in June, the Social Security trustees put out their big report. It's, it's the trustees' report, and um, you've got uh, Secretary of Treasury, Department of Labor someone that heads up social security and, and one other uh, main trustee that come together to take all the actuarial and statistical data and, and, and try to come up with some projection about what's happening with social security, where's it heading. And um, the big takeaway that we're seeing right now is that the social security trust fund is expected to be depleted in 2035. Well, that, that sounds super scary and super ominous and, oh, social security is going broke kind of thing. But what I wanted to do is just make sure people understand what that trust fund is, how it works, why it's there. And um, basically, it's a function of the, the demographic bubble. That we, we had the baby boom. Then Gen X was kind of a, a bust in numbers. And then the echo boom coming after. So we're, we're right in between these 
this big wave of baby boomers leaving the workforce, beginning to collect social security. They're living longer. And so the number of people that we have in retirement and drawing on social security is, is very high right now. And if you go back to the way social security was set up and funded, it was meant to be a pay as you go system. You had a lot of people paying in. At one time, it was 42 people paying in to every one person receiving a benefit. And so the burden on the taxpayer was was quite low. Well, that ratio has come down now uh, below three people paying in for every recipient. We're headed to two to one. And that's putting a huge strain on, on the taxpayers. So a while back, they put together a trust fund, said, okay, well, we've got this shortfall coming. We need to do something about it. And so they put about $6 trillion into a trust fund. And it sounds like a huge number. Certainly sounds uh, you know, like it's very solvent. Uh, we even played a clip from uh, Nancy Pelosi previously talking about how, how well-funded it was and you know, increasing benefits. And well, now we, here we are you know, 10, 15 years down the road and another, what, 12, 13 years, we could be looking at uh, this, this trust fund being completely depleted. And that, that's last not a year, very long time we, horizon, right? No, for the long in 2010, 2015, you know, it seemed like 20 years down the road was you know, that was a long time away, and we, we could do a lot to to fix it between now and then. And I'd say generally we don't do anything and fix stuff until it's like truly broken and, it, and it's a crisis. But this trust fund was set up so that well, it was really created out of thin air. They just created a special issue of, of treasury bonds and, and gave them to Social Security to call it an asset. And, uh, you know, they, they'll, they'll use that to either collect interest, right? So the, the trust fund is, is invested in U.S. treasuries. So they get, I think it's like $70 billion of, of interest paid in. And the other big funding source, obviously, for Social Security is payroll taxes. You're getting about $900 billion from payroll taxes. Individuals pay about 6.2%. No, they pay six, not about. They, they pay 6.2% in. The employer matches that with their 6.2%. Uh, so that's a 12.4% of wages capped around $140,000 per year. All gets taxed to fund the current payments of Social Security. Well, the inflows have been less than the outflows uh, for a number of years. And so they're drawing on this trust fund. And we've talked a lot about income planning, buffering your portfolio from maybe five or 10 years worth of market volatility. And we've got a little you know, cash flow confidence formula that we deploy to help people understand and structure how to build an income plan over the next five or 10 years so that you have predictable cash flow, but you're able to then invest money for the long term to grow. Well, that same concept is what's happening with Social Security right now. They've got $900 to a billion to a, a trillion dollars coming in, but they've got about $1.1 trillion going out. So uh, you're going to have to take 50 to $100 billion out of your reserve, out of your, your base. And we all know what happens when you start eating into your principal. You start eating into your base. Well, the amount of interest that you earn goes down. The reserve that you have goes down. And, and so you get onto a bit of a, a death spiral, if you will, uh, of your asset base that's going to be drawn down. And if you don't have things coming in to replenish that, more tax 
you know, income coming in, more interest, or you have some kind of long-term growth strategy, which they can't do with, there's been talk about investing social security funds in, in the stock market. And it, it just, there's so many conflicts of interest with that. It's, I'm actually quite happy they're not trying to do that because there's, there's too many things. That Sounds can go like a that. slippery slope a bit there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you get political influence about what are they going to invest in, who are they can invest with. And it, it just turns into a big, big money grab. So I don't know that that's a, a particularly good strategy. So, so anyway, with, with this income plan, if you're, if you've got a trillion coming in and 1.1 trillion going out, it's a big number, a lot of zeros. It may be kind of hard to comprehend, but last year, the, we were down $56 billion in the, the trust fund. So it's, it's happening. Uh, you know, maybe with higher rates, they can earn a little more interest, but eventually there, there's going to be a tipping point where that trust fund gets drawn down and they can't replenish it. They can't earn enough to, uh, outstrip the, you know, payments that they've got going out. So the, the reality is, is we're looking at a depletion of this trust fund in about 2034, 2035, you know, there, there, there's a lot that goes into these projections. And, uh, what, what did we say about, uh, planning works, but plans don't. Yeah, I like that. And you, you need to make a plan. You need to do a forecast. But w- the way Social Security does it is they do a 10-year forecast and a 75-year forecast. So they're looking at a you know, very manageable, well, 10, 10 years is actually not very manageable. There's a lot that could happen in 10 years. But they do 10 years because on large populations, you know, birth rates, life expectancy, uh, immigration, economic growth of the economy, the uh, number and rate of people disabled, all of those things have to be factored in. And we know how difficult it is to, to project a lot of those things. They may take too optimistic of a projection on life expectancy or, or birth, as a birth rates. And, and uh, you know, the likelihood that people are going to continue living longer, I think, is, is quite high. So all of these factors, you know, demographic, economic, migratory, all of these things are going to affect the, the forecast. So a 10-year and especially a 75-year forecast sounds just a little bit crazy, but that, that's how they do it. And if they do nothing, right, if no action is, is taken, they like said they're going to be in a position where by 2034, they'll only be able to pay 77 to 78% of projected benefits, which, you know, as you can imagine, that scares a lot of people. It, it, it sounds terrible, but the good news is Social Security is not actually going broke, right? That, that trust fund could be getting depleted, but it's not like there's no additional incoming revenue to pay any benefits. And I say that especially for younger listeners who are a little bit cynical about Social Security, oh, there's nothing I could be left by the time we get there and, and all that. I just don't think that's true. If they do nothing at a worst case scenario, they'll still be able to pay 75 to 80% of, of projected benefits. Now, 20, 25% pay cut if Social Security is your prime retirement vehicle, uh, that, that could be a problem. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they're, they're not going to cut benefits by 25%. For current retirees, that's just not going to happen. Those people vote and uh, are vocal about it. So it'll be curious to see what happens. 
Yeah, it's uh, one of those third rail issues, right, that we always know about and hear about. And so you got to keep that in mind, how the political ramifications of these things all play out. But all of this just really seems to underscore, Brian, the importance of planning with, with that balance that you mentioned, right? Like uh, a plan is one thing, but then you got to adjust and change as these things pop up. But um, the importance of planning for all these different little moving parts and timing and claiming social security strategies, all those things that are very popular questions in the planning world. You just got to be ready for those things as you try to kind of like anticipate all of these changes. And I know that's not even, that's not even everything that, uh, that you were planning to cover on today's episode. There, there's even more things to consider, right? Well, yeah, I was just going to do a little recap on, on some of the things that they're proposing. Cause, cause in this report, they have talked about, you know, what, what changes could protect and, and make Social Security solvent again. And uh, in 75 years, this is going back to the 75-year forecast, they would have to increase the rate of payroll taxes by 3.24%. Okay, that's not a 3.24% increase. That's a additional 3.24% on top of the 12.4% paid now. And, and again, for those of you who are W-2 employees, 6.2 comes out of your paycheck and your employer pays the additional 6.2%. If you're self-employed, you're already paying the full 12.4%. So that that would take a 3.24% increase would take the social the FICA rate up to 15.64%. So it sounds like you know it's a couple percent here there uh, not that big of an increase. No, that's a 26% increase in in FICA taxes to make the plan solvent. Okay. So that's, and that's just, that's one strategy, but we have seen the uh, wage base increase for social security over a number of years uh, to actually take the rate up to uh, 15.64%. I think, I think that'd be pretty drastic. And we've got higher tax rates set to kick back in, in 2026. So this isn't just about tax planning and, and uh, income and budget planning for, retirees, this is workers too. If you're looking at a 26% increase in your FICA tax and a few percentage points in your federal tax rate, and you know if they're eliminating deductions and things like that, this, this could be a huge tax increase for those who are, are still working. Man, that's just, uh, unfortunately, it seems to be the theme of the show today, doesn't it? Like, essentially, all of these things amounting to hidden tax increases with the IRS agents being hired and the Social Security, you know, kind of changes, adjustments, inflation conversation, just more money coming out of our pockets, unfortunately. Yeah, just doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies when you when you look at all of this. Yeah, we started off with a great talk about pizzas with fig jam and uh, and lemons on them, and we've gotten to the lemons now. <laughs> yeah, the the sour taste there at the end uh, to kind of finish off the the pizza, if you will. Uh, well, man, that's uh, that's a lot of stuff, Brian, to uh, to absorb and, and understand. So, I mean, what, what's someone to do? Like, if they hear this information today, they haven't planned for this kind of stuff. They just pick up the phone, give you a call, and start figuring out like how to adjust, how to plan for all these things. Yeah, I mean, if you're one way to do it, and I'm starting to see this incorporated into the financial planning calculators and the tax planning calculators that we use, you can actually just click a button and say, I want to project based on current law. Okay, so that's that's not likely what's going to happen, but it's a, a place to start. Then you can put in uh, proposed legislation. You can put in the uh, default 
tax increases that are that are coming down the road. So there's some quick clicks that you can do to say, well, if this happens, or if nothing happens, I'm you know here's the trajectory. If this strategy happens, and and I talked about you know increasing payroll taxes. The flip side of that is to make Social Security solvent, they would have to cut benefits by twenty point three percent. Right. So neither of those are are particularly helpful or, or useful or good good numbers. Uh, they could probably use a combo of those. Uh, they could add means testing. They could tax benefits more heavily. Th- these are all unpopular and, and probably unlikely strategies. But uh, you should push the button and say, what would happen if my taxes went up 26%, my benefits went down 25%, 20%, w- whatever the numbers are, and make sure you are not left flat-footed, underfunded, and... Um, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, a personal responsibility thing. I, I don't think you can kick back and count on the government to make sure your all your benefits are intact. You know, the, they're, they started taxing Social Security benefits in the 80s. They raised, they actually re- gave us a little bit of relief on that uh, last year, but um, not a lot. They just increased, they increased the income threshold at which point your Social Security benefits are taxed. Well, you know, that that's that's pretty nominal and non-impactful uh, for most of my clients. So it would make sense to just double down, make sure you're well fortified. You know, what would happen if taxes went up and benefits went down? Maybe maybe some, maybe some hybrid combo of those and just make sure you're intact, got enough money to to fund what you're doing. And if it means cutting back a little bit now to make sure you've got uh, security later, yeah, that's probably a pretty good trade-off. All right. Very good. Well, if you are maybe struggling to prioritize your financial goals, if you need a plan for where and how to save, if it's help with investment management that you're looking for, or just understanding some of these moving parts that are kind of constantly in the news and how to deal with inflation and taxes and the things that we talk about on the show all the time, and you're looking for somebody to work with, well, there's Brian Doe. Uh, I can certainly tell you that he's got more than 20 years of expertise through the ups and downs of the market in all different types of environments. And that also Brian's a certified financial planner. He has that certification, which is the standard of excellence in financial planning. In fact, CFP professionals, they meet rigorous education, training, and ethical standards and are committed to providing clients uh, the best service, serving their best interests today to help prepare you for more secure tomorrow. If you're interested in talking to Brian and going through the planning process, or at least just exploring if that's a good fit for you, uh, what I would recommend is calling today to get a free 15-minute complimentary call with Brian, and you can see I can get some clarity around those financial goals and help you prepare for your future. Again, if you want to do that, you can call 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Or you can do it all online, livingworth.com, livingworth.com. And just click the button that says book a call. And you can do it all from the internet on your smartphone or computer. That's livingworth.com. And you can find the link to that in the description of today's show, as always. Well, Brian, great episode today. I'm intrigued by the pizza talk. I'm going to, I know that we provided a lot of great financial information, but I think the lemon on pizza is going to really kind of stick with me from that, today's that's episode. That's the new, the new breakthrough uh, tip, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I'm going to have to keep an eye out and see if I can find a local place that, that uh, does that around here and, and give it a shot for you. So Yeah, try it out. Let me know what you think. We will see. Very good. Uh, for Brian, I'm Walter. Thanks for taking the time to join us on the show today. Hope you enjoy the information. Check out our library of shows. Lots of great topics we've covered over the last couple of months that would be helpful to you. And of course, we'll have another great topic on tap for next month. 
So stay tuned uh, for future episodes, and thanks for joining us on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.